2: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Pastor Scott with you on the Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you every day from 3 to 5. Do you have any funny or strange family traditions? I wanted to ask that. And partly because I think traditions matter a lot if we remember what they are about do you ever participate in somebody else's family tradition or you go to church somewhere or some place where they've got some traditions and you don't you feel awkward because you don't really get it but you're somehow supposed to participate I watched a video of a longtime family tradition this weekend it's a family in the UK who for the last 1200 years has been passing along this fuzzy hat
3: God save the king
1: Yes, uh, King Charles was uh, crowned, and uh, Queen Camilla. Gotta be. We have Camilla over there. We got Kamala over here. And I have a friend who pronounces it Camilla, and I'm just completely confused by all of this. Anyway, you have uh, these traditions. Did you watch that? And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of those traditions over there because I don't know how I feel about it. It's a little bit silly watching it, but at the same time, I'm a history guy, and there's some cool stuff. But I think that if you get some of the traditions and what they mean, and there's actually a very deep Christian meaning. Not that they keep it necessarily over there, but it's very, very interesting uh, historically and, and some theological statements that are made, and uh, we'll go over that here a little bit. You can join the conversation by calling me at 888-528-2557. This is The Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at pastorscott at com. The way to keep tradition is to keep the meaning fresh and pass on the meaning. I mean, how many traditions in our lives get lost or disregarded that might have been good at some point, but over time you forget why you're doing it. And then eventually somebody says, why are we doing this? And then you stop. And that's okay, because traditions can come and go. That's okay. But sometimes there is there is some good meaning that if you keep it fresh, if you remind people why you do it, then you keep doing it. And in order to keep traditions, you've got to remind people of the meaning. You've got to give testimony about it. You've got to really say it. Do you have any traditions that you have as a family or as a church or just maybe uh, traditions that we have as a country that you want to refresh, that you want to make sure we continue to do or that you continue to do, give me a call. Let me know. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. All right. King Charles was officially uh, coronated. Is that how you say it? It was the coronation of King Charles. I guess coronated. Is that right? All right. We got J.J. behind the mic today. And uh, welcome, J.J. Did you watch watch the uh, fuzzy hat ceremony? I miss it, unfortunately. I guess that's what I couldn't get over, really. I know the crown has got all these jewels and millions of dollars in the history, but there's this fuzzy thing in it that looks like I got it at Party City. I don't understand. Anyway, see, that's my attitude toward it because I don't know. But I want you to listen to just some of the words that King Charles had to recite.
3: Your Majesty, the church established by law whose settlement you will swear to maintain Is committed to the true profession of the gospel and in so doing will seek to foster an environment in which peoples of all faiths and beliefs may live freely. The coronation oath has stood for centuries and is enshrined in law. Are you willing to take the oath?
1: I am willing. Now, it's very interesting when you start to hear these things said. If you paid attention, you're going to notice that some things are described and some statements are being made, and how it has to do with Christian tradition. Now, as I say this, I want you to understand that I do understand that governments doing these kind of things that they, although, in, in fact, uh, particularly other governments, not as much ours, even though ours does it, other governments, they will take some time to say these things, they are rich in theology and rich in meaning, but they don't really mean it. You got to really mean it. And I don't know if Prince, he's king, King Charles, uh, means what he says or not, or what this is, but I want you to hear these things. Let's hear that again.
3: Your majesty, the church established by law, whose settlement you will swear to maintain, is committed to the true profession of the gospel, and in so doing, will seek to foster an environment in which peoples of all faiths and beliefs may live freely. The coronation oath has stood for centuries and is enshrined in law. Are you willing to take the oath?
1: I am willing. So he takes the oath. Notice that it is grounded in the gospel, I'm not sure that for centuries they really have had religious freedom over there. Seems to me there's an awful lot of heads that got cut off because you were uh, not just not a Christian, but because you were a Catholic. And then you got it cut off because you were Protestant, and then it was a Catholic again, and they landed somewhere in the, the Protestant realm eventually in all of this history. But I'm intrigued when I listen to this, and I understand how much religious history and how many statements are being made and how many gospel-centric conversations this could drive. And so while I recognize that we um, are—that it's government and it's just things to say, I think you can use these things. If you happen to watch these with your friends, did you have any conversations about it? Uh, It continued this way.
3: Will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel? Will you to the utmost of your power maintain in the United Kingdom the Protestant Reformed religion established by law? Will you maintain and preserve inviolably the settlement of the Church of England and the doctrine, worship, discipline and government thereof as by law established in England? And will you preserve unto the bishops and clergy of England and to the churches there committed to their charge all such rights and privileges as by law do or shall appertain to them or any of them all this i promise to do the things which i have here before promised i will perform and keep so help me god
1: now if you watch this all these things are being read they are read word for word and it's, it's quite interesting, I think, when you, you get through all these traditions.
3: Your Majesty, are you willing to make, subscribe, and declare to the statutory accession declaration oath? I am willing. I, Charles, do solemnly and sincerely, in the presence of God, profess, testify, and declare that I am a faithful Protestant that I will, according to the true intent of the enactments which secure the Protestant succession to the throne, uphold and maintain the said enactments to the best of my powers according to law.
1: And so you have these statements made, and then you have these these things. Did you see the picture of, uh, I'm, I'm going to say Prince Charles forever, because he's been Prince Charles forever. There's a whole bunch of funny memes out there about... Uh, prince charles applying for the job of king and they're showing a picture of him as a young man and finally the recruiter gets around to him 70 years later and there he is he holds a couple things in his hand that i think are are super interesting one of them is he holds a royal scepter did you see this this thing and like how many people how many of you have a scepter do you have a scepter at home do you bring that out at thanksgiving and uh, dad sits there with the scepter in front of the the uh, turkey you don't but the king has this and He holds this, and this comes from King Solomon, and it's the idea of Solomon being at the royal center, and that he is somebody who is appointed by God, is the part of the idea with that. And then Charles lays his right hand on a Bible, I'll bet it's the King James Version of the Bible, and he swears before God that he will uphold the Scriptures, and this happens, one of the things that he has is the orb. Have you seen this? Did you watch This is the Pastor Scott Show, by the way. We're talking about traditions. How do you keep your traditions, or what's a tradition you would like to hold on to or refresh? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. There's this orb. It's not the holy hand grenade. It's, a, it's an orb. In an orb, it's just this ball, right? But on top of it, it's got this cross. And if you watched this, they have had this thing since 1661. So it's 400 years old, give or take. And it's huge. In fact, I'm watching Charles walk with this. He's got the staff, the, the, uh, the scepter, and he's got the this orb. And I'm thinking, man, he could fall down. Does that thing break if you were to drop it? There's a lot of pressure. So now you have this hat on your head that is loaded with jewels. It must be kind of heavy. And then you have this orb that you're carrying in one hand and the scepter in the other hand. And the orb, uh, it has it's about a foot wide, and it's got nine emeralds, 18 rubies, nine sapphires, 365 diamonds, and 375 pearls. And the purpose of it according to the historic royal palaces, is that it is to remind the monarch that their power is derived from God. So the idea with the cross on top of it is that Jesus' dominion over the world is the idea. And so it gets placed in the king's right hand, and it says, receive this, and they say this, receive this orb under the cross and remember that the whole world is subject to the power of an empire of Christ, our Redeemer. It's a really interesting thing when you realize these traditions are rooted in in theology. Now, it's also an interesting thing that I think that has not all obviously if you know your British history. It's not always been uh kept, you know, it hasn't always been lived out. I would say maybe not very often lived out at all, actually. But there is some part of a tradition that what it does is it holds on to something that we claim to be true. And the scepter has also been around since uh, 1661. And it's got a 530-carat diamond on top of it. Uh, It's the largest colorless cut diamond in the world, according to historic royal palaces. And it's supposed to represent the king's temporary power and his obligation to return, uh, to govern in righteousness, just as the scripture says of God. Uh, A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom, Hebrews 1.8. It comes from so much scripture, if you watch this, and I wonder how many traditions that we have that we've forgotten what they meant. I wonder how many people who watch this or maybe who were in, in England didn't know this or in the United Kingdom, had were surprised to hear Scripture read and surprised that there were so many statements about uh, Scripture. You're not really surprised if you know the, the history of it. Uh, there are trumpets that are blown, and it is announcing an earthly king, but it's also symbolizing the fact that trumpets will be blown blown when the King of Kings comes one day. There are different swords that are carried. One is a blunt sword, speaking of the mercy of the gospel. Another is a sharp sword, symbolic of Judgment Day. And it is, all of these things are tying us back to the Bible. Do you think that when we look at these things that people actually make this connection to faith, or are they just words? When you think about maybe what you do in church on Sunday. I had somebody call me and said, you know, it occurred to me, we were saying uh, the Apostles' Creed in church. Many of you, maybe you say the creeds in church. Uh, different traditions do that. And uh, do you know the Apostles' Creed? I think I know it by by, by memory, because I, I grew up going to a Lutheran school, and uh, it uh, we said that every week in chapel. Uh, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell on the third day. He rose again from the dead. Um, and he sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the... Uh, uh, Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting, everlasting. Amen. I think I mostly got, I just did that by by memory. You guys are nodding in there. Did I get that right, uh, Wilbert? Do you think back there you were kind of nodding your way through it? Maybe you were like going, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> he thinks I, I came pretty close. Maybe, you know, but somebody wrote me and they said, well, did, wait a minute, did Jesus go to hell? And, you know, people say that all the, the creeds all the time. I think and I'm a Baptist, okay? Baptists, uh, we don't have a really good history with creeds. And there, there, there's a couple of reasons for that. There's a good reason and a bad reason. The good reason is that those statements of faith, as good as they are, they're not Bible. And so, you know, you can question it. And you can take it back to Scripture and say, well, what is the what does the Scripture actually say here? And I think that's a really good thing to do. But... Uh, the And the, the bad reason is sometimes uh, we we deny the creeds because we just don't want to believe what it says. We want an excuse, you know, to <laughs> to not quite go there if it's not uh, matching our pocketbook or whatever. Uh, so there's a, there's a bad history with some of that. But I think learning those things is good, but it's not good to, to forget what they mean, to just say it anywhere. I can go to a microphone anywhere, I think, and I can say, let's pray. And if I say our Father, if I say those words... Many people in any secular audience will repeat the Lord's Prayer. It'll just come out. Because if you grew up in a tradition where you said that all the time, you've got it memorized. And it's not bad to memorize it. I don't think it's bad to say it all the time, but it's bad to forget what it means. Uh, By the way, did Jesus go to hell after his death? Most, there's a lot of uh, different opinion about that. But the Bible uh, teaches different things about what happens to you when you die, and there, there is the idea of the place of the dead or the place of departed souls or spirits. And a lot of people think that Sheol or Hades uh, is this place. And when you die, you go there, kind of like a waiting room. And there's a good waiting room and a bad waiting room where you're waiting for judgment, ultimately. A lot of people believe that. And so most people would say, well, when Jesus was in the tomb, did he go to hell? Most people say he didn't go to hell, but he went to Hades, and uh, proclaimed victory over death. There's a lot of debate about that, and it's an interesting thing. And what it, what I think you should do on things like this, if you're a, a believer or you're seeking out, is go ahead and go into the Bible, see what the Bible says. It's okay on this kind of issue to not have certainty. It's okay to look at it and go, well, it seems like it's this way, but it, we're not entirely sure. What I like about it is it gets you into the Bible. I'll bet that you've got some traditions at church or in your family that maybe you forgot what it's about because you do it all the time, because it becomes something that is rote. You know, coronation of a king, we haven't seen that in 70 years. Um, They keep calling it a a once-in-a-lifetime event. I bet if you're a certain age, you're going to see another one just based upon life expectancies and things. uh, Charles is up there, you know. Um, 888 528 2557. 888 528 2557. How do you feel about tradition? Do you have traditions that you have even just personally that you like uh, in your family, for example, that you want to keep going, that you want to pass on to your kids? Or maybe you've got a particular tradition in your church that is worthy of passing on because of what it means. Or maybe you've got a tradition that you would just like to stop because it no longer means what you think it means. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe there's a tradition or maybe just the times have changed. So the tradition doesn't have the meaning that it used to have, that it's gonna be difficult to pass that on. We had uh, the church where I was a pastor at, the First Baptist Church of San Diego. It has a bell, a church bell. The bell is called the Alonzo Horton Prize Bell. And it is, Alonzo Horton is the founder of San Diego, And he gave the church in 1869 that bell because they were the first church to put up a building, first Protestant church to put up a building. And they got the bell. I think they opened up two days before First Presbyterian. So however the Baptists did that with their committees, I don't know. But they got it done. They opened it up, put the bell up there. Well, when that church was downtown in the 1800s, the steeple of that church was the biggest building in town. And that bell was used not just to call people to come to church— but it was to alert the volunteer fire department if there was a fire, if there was some kind of emergency, or you needed some kind of gathering. It had a, it had a, a religious purpose of ringing on Sunday morning to remind you to get up out of bed and come to church, and worship God or confess or both. And it also had a public reason that would it would call people's attention to an emergency or to an important event. Well, now that bell is no longer downtown; it's in the University City area. And it's attached and you can ring it. And there was a man who would ring this bell every Sunday morning. And he had he was in his 90s and he had done so since he was six years old. It's the only church he'd ever been to. And, you know, there was a tradition, I think, of that bell being rung that was special because of the history of it and special because of this man who was ringing it. Who we all thought you know he would be kind of it was heavy and he'd kind of huff and puff at the end of it and lean against the pole that it's on top. We thought well maybe he's going to die while he's he's doing this. Uh, and then we thought well you know you got to go you got to go that might be an okay way. And so we let him keep doing it. Uh, that's he did pass away eventually. That was not how he went to go be with Jesus uh, a few years ago. However, the thing is about the bell is that it wasn't up in a big steeple. It was I don't know twenty feet up in the air, twenty five feet up in the air, and it was so incredibly loud that if you happen to be underneath it or anywhere near it while that thing's going off, uh, it was painful. So uh, they ring the bell once in a while down there, but uh, they had to stop because it just kind of bothered people. Uh, and thats it's just not a good way to invite guests to church. Hi, hi, welcome to church. Uh, you thought you were going to be deaf because of the music, but no, it's because of the bell that's outside. 888-528-2557. Uh, Gerson in L.A., do I have your, right, your name right?
4: Hey, Pastor Scott. Hey, yeah. how are you? Doing well, just driving home from an early, early shift.
1: Ah, well, I'm glad you're getting to go home. Do you have a tradition that you're thinking about?
4: Yeah, as you were uh, talking, I remember saying the Pledge of Allegiance growing up.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. And a huge tradition.
4: That, yeah. One of the reasons that stood out to me is because, um, as always, we used to say one nation under God, and as I was hearing you describe the crown of uh, of the uh, new king of England, There was a cross, and he was under the cross. And it just felt, growing up, that as a nation, we still reverence God. And as you were growing up and you say that allegiance, facing the flag, it made you feel a part of something bigger with your classmates. And I know it's kind of nostalgic, but I remember seeing folks from the military pass by and then saying the Pledge of Allegiance. It felt like you were a part of what makes the country flourish. And just everybody being on the same page. And that was a wonderful tradition. And I hear these days they're not doing it and stuff. And so I remember growing up, it was kind of nice to get everybody together. It was something that it wasn't just yourself. It was the whole class and the teacher. And it just felt right, especially at a school assembly, for the school to be as one. It it kind of brought a sense of oneness. No matter what grade we were, it was that sense of oneness that at all grades, all levels, you say the Pledge of Allegiance and we're all... Uh, being
1: loyal. Yeah, that uh, is a that's a tradition. that's an excellent point about what tradition is. It gives you the sense of oneness of unity, right? And you might have a lot right. of different beliefs about different things. Uh, is it Gersom? Is that how you say your name? Uh, Gersum. Gersum. Right, All right, Gersum. Thanks yes, for sir. thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Appreciate that. I think Gersom makes a great point about that and the fact that we don't say it as often. I think some people say it in some places, but it's not as common. And part of what we are losing, you know, if you're wondering why we are so divided today, part of it is we have lost those traditions. We probably forgot why we're saying it every day, and then we decided there's something wrong with saying it every day. We don't even understand what under God means. You know, under God... It was inserted in the 50s into the Pledge of Allegiance. In fact, I've got to take a break. When we come back, I'll give you a little bit more about under God, but I want to go to a break, and then I'll see your call up there, Ted, and you can give us a call. What traditions do you like, and what is tradition meant to you? What would you like to keep? 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. I'll, we'll be back as the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues.
2: You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show.
3: Will you to the utmost of your power maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel? Will you to the utmost of your power maintain in the United Kingdom the Protestant Reformed religion established by law? will you maintain and preserve inviolably the settlement of the Church of England and the doctrine worship discipline and government thereof as by law established
1: in England it's an interesting thing that was the coronation of king charles the 3rd and him being charged as king to uphold the church of england the Protestant faith, a whole lot of things, if you listen to that. It's a very interesting thing as an American, I think, to hear that, because one of the reasons that in our country we established freedom of religion is that, and that there was so much persecution and violence and other things going on in Europe based upon whether you were Protestant or Catholic, or if you were Church of England, or you were Lutheran, or you were Baptist, or whatever group you were a part of, often that was determined by the state. And that's still a part of the history there. And something that we were talking about, uh, traditions, welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We were talking about traditions, and our last caller talked about the tradition of saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And he he talked about how, as a kid, it reminded him, and then as a uh, somebody serving the military, of the unity of our purpose, which is exactly what that's for, by the way. In fact, that's why the uh, Pledge, of Pledge of Allegiance was written. It was written in uh, 1892 by Francis Bellamy, and who was a Baptist pastor who wanted to promote patriotism and national unity among schoolchildren. And so what... What our caller was experiencing, and many of you have experienced, is exactly the purpose. The interesting thing about the phrase, under God, that was added in the 50s, it was added in the 1950s fifties—because partly because we were fighting the communists, and one of the big things that's terrible about communism, and there are many, is that ultimately you have to worship the state, that they may or may not allow for religion, but you you cannot really have religion, and have that system work. So you get rid of it. And it was a it was a statement, putting our, uh, in God we trust on our money was a stamp of saying, this is who we are as Americans, that we believe that there is a God, and we have specific beliefs about this, that government should not take away. And the idea of under God in the Pledge of Allegiance when it was added is the idea that our government doesn't tell you what to believe, that our government is there in such a way that um, we're founded on principles of God. We're founded on a Judeo-Christian ethic and the idea that we are accountable and our leaders are accountable to a higher power. But the point of it is, is to emphasize that in the United States, um, the government doesn't determine your religious faith. So that even though we are created in as a nation, as one that understands that our, our rights come from a creator, a big thing about our country, unlike England and unlike other countries around the world, many of them, is that the government doesn't determine your faith, that you have the right to and freedom to practice your faith. And so when the government is under God, when the nation is under God, uh, some people will interpret that as to say that, you know, it's a recognition of of God. I think a lot of Christians would, would say it that way, but it really is saying that w- we see God as a source of law and justice and ultimate moral principles. And I think one of the reasons that we are lacking in that area is in part because we forgot what that means. I think we probably took the, the pledge out of schools mostly because it says under God, and we forgot that what it actually means is freedom to believe and an idea that is so important to our country, that our freedoms and our rights come from God, who's our creator. But if you don't believe in a creator, then it doesn't really make sense, does it? If there is no creator, if you don't believe there's a creator, then to say that our rights come from a creator can't make any sense. Because then, because if there's no creator, the only place your rights come from is government. And that is a very scary, scary thing. See, I think the tradition of the pledge, it needs to come back. It it gives us unity and purpose and vision as a nation with the freedom, I think, to believe a lot of different things, but to be on the right page for where our freedoms come from ultimately. 888-528-2557. Ted, City of Angels, welcome to the Pastor
5: Scott Show. Good afternoon, Pastor Scott. Speaking of Baptist, I went to a over 100-year-old uh, church in Huntington Beach, which is Baptist. It wasn't originally but uh i think it was united methodist and then they built a bigger one and sold it to the baptist but i like little churches like that i just love you know when i visited out there sunday it was a, it was a blessing so and god bless stanley i loved listening to his uh, ministering on the radio yeah but what i what, what i really wanted to talk about was the fact that um you know i grew up at the base of the hill Uh, Jefferson and Inglewood Culver City, which is uh, by Hughes Helicopters, where Hughes uh, built the Spruce Goose, and my dad ran the place. And up on the hill was LMU, and you could hear the bells—the church bells. Oh God! Yeah. And even even the Lutheran churches used to play them, you know, on the churches I went to, and everything went silent. And uh, it was—it's to me—it's a tragedy because I mean, you know, everybody wants to come to America because oh, you can you can prosper. Well, who do you think set that up? Judeo-Christian beliefs. And then people come here, and just like people that move next to airports, and they go, you know, we need to get rid of the airport. It's like, God, uh, you moved next to the airport. Now, you, you know what I mean? It does, it
1: does make me laugh when people who move at the end of the runway at the airport start to complain about the noise. Like, somehow well, yeah. I think I you, mean, you f- know, could have I, figured that out before you got there.
5: Well, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget when I was a kid, because there was tons of huge helicopters flying everywhere, air shows. And I said, God, there's sure is a lot of... Helicopters and my dad goes so what, you know. I mean he he was just uh, you know he raised his family off building helicopters, yeah. so you know he his answer was so what. Yeah, you know <laughs> it's a it's a
1: it's an important thing uh, the traditions that we have the the ultimate meaning of them. Thank you for calling Ted. I appreciate yeah. that. You know what is a what would a modern version of a church bell be? You know, I don't know that churches are going to go back to ringing bells the way that they used to. Some of your churches probably do ring bells. And I bet there's – you know, what I found with the bell at our church was if you were underneath it and it was going off and you're trying to have your coffee or a conversation, it was it was difficult. But there were people in the neighborhood because you could hear it from a long way away. Like I said, it used to be the call to not just call to service but the call to um, get the fire department ready if there's a fire somewhere, or the call to a town meeting or something important. And I did hear from some people who said that they enjoyed hearing it, and they were many streets away, and it was kind of a reminder that the church is there, I think a reminder that, "Ah, I probably ought to be going. But I think over time we we lose that. I'll bet that there are some other ways, though, that in the modern times that, that we can do that. And that's the thing about tradition, is it has to have an ultimate meaning that actually makes sense if we forget the meaning if we don't and we have to teach it because every tradition you have that is whether it's a good or bad tradition you know or or a tradition worth keeping i should say it's worth keeping if you can if you can communicate the meaning and purpose of it to the next generation right without it being something that just doesn't make any sense anymore scripturally we have many of those traditions we just had one the passover thousands of years, the traditions of the Passover, remembering and teaching that salvation comes from putting your faith in the Lord and trusting in him, and that there is blood involved and that you have to trust in the sacrifice of the lamb. See, that teaching for centuries, thousands of years has great meaning, and that's why it survives, because you can pass on that meaning. That's something that is, is worth it. Do you have any traditions in your house or your family or maybe just in the country that you want to make sure that we keep? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. During the COVID and the shutdowns, you know, I think that a lot of us had um, a deeper respect for some traditions, particularly holidays where we gather, right? There's some great traditions that we have. We've got great holidays, Memorial Day, which is a super meaningful day to remember those who've given their life for our freedom. But it's also a day where people in their freedom get together and and have barbecue, have fellowship. And I think you got to remember both things. You got to remember that people died for that freedom. And then I think you need to enjoy that freedom. We remember that. I remember thinking when Christmas came, we were just going to really do Christmas. You know, Christmas, it can get you're busy and so many different things and there's the lights and there's the decorations and all of the things and it can become a hassle. But I remember with the COVID realizing, you know what, this is actually something that's super meaningful. And I remember this year we're going to do Christmas well. And we did. And I think it's been a bigger deal some of the traditions, the, the the lights and things, and I know it's about Christ and everything, but that brings it together. What's the tradition of what do those things mean? Uh, the lights and the light of the world coming into the world and lighting up the darkness. There are so many great meanings. See, your your Christmas traditions or your Easter traditions, whatever your traditions are, when you remember what they mean, then you're going to keep them and you're going to pass them to the next generation. If you forget what they mean, if they just become a hassle or just something you do, but you don't know why you do it, uh, they're going to get lost. And at the end of the day, you know, some traditions come and go, but there are some that I think are worth keeping. The way you keep it is you make sure you remind everybody what the meaning is, and you don't assume they understand the meaning. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. We're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, great testimony from another tradition that happened this weekend. I'll tell you about that as the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned.
5: The
1: Kentucky Derby was this week. And do you watch that? It kind of crops up. If you're not really watching, uh, if you're not into horse racing, I don't know how often you follow it. I always watched it as a kid, though. My parents were very into it. And, and, you know, as a kid, you know, I didn't watch it live this year because I know I can watch it on YouTube a few minutes later or whenever I get around to it. And there it is. I can even watch it on twice as speed if I just want to kind of get through it. Uh, But I remember growing up, you know, we only had three lousy channels. And so you would and it had to be on at a certain time. We didn't have a VCR. We were very late to that game, too. And uh, you had to watch it. My parents were very into it, and uh, you know what? I find it to be actually kind of exciting and fun. The winner this year was Mage. You just heard, but uh, at the end of it, the jockey is interviewed. the <clears throat> The jockey's name is Javier Castellano. Here's his. Here's what he said.
6: What are you thinking right now? First of all, thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for giving the opportunity to to win the Derby, the dream Tree for any jockey, any training. Any horses, and in the industry, the whole races. I never give up. I always try hard do the right thing. It took me a little while to get there. I finally get it. I'm very blessed, and truly wanted to to give me opportunity to hold the way he did it today. The Little Mage, he did it really well today. He got a lot of there in the face. Come from behind horse. The Tunnel for home, he got a lot of heart. It's a little horse, but would be hard.
1: It was Javier Javier Castiano Castiano and uh, the winning jockey of the Kentucky Derby. I love it that he gave credit to the Lord. It gave glory to God, and you never know who's watching that, who is watching that, who is hearing this, and is impacted by it. I used to think sometimes that if athletes or people or you know, sort of give credit to God for a home run or winning the World Series or winning a horse race or something, I I don't know, I don't know if that's you know how how interested is God in that when we have so many bad things going on and wars and difficulties going on. But later I realized, you know, God has an infinite amount of time for each one of our lives. He has an infinite amount of time, meaning that he's got time to hear and respond to every prayer we ever say, whether it's about a big thing in our life or a small thing. And he has time to hear our praises, whether they are because of We have survived cancer, or we have gone through a particular trial or ordeal, and we're giving him the glory for that, or maybe we just got saved in these big deal issues. But he also has time for our small things. And I mean, if you're Javier and you won the the Kentucky Derby, that's a pretty big deal for you. You've been racing since 1996, you have a couple of big wins, but you've never won that one. And that's a pretty big deal. He was obviously very emotional and excited about this and happy about this. But I think God enjoys that praise. And I think he has time for it. I think it's not something that to God is a waste of time or a waste of breath. I think not only does he have time for it, I think he accepts that praise. And I think he uses it. I think people who give, take that moment, when you think about it, when is this particular jockey going to have a microphone in his face on national TV again? Probably, you know, I don't want to say never, but it's like, it's possible. Never. And he used that moment to give praise to God.
6: What are you thinking right now? First of all, thank you, Lord Jesus Christ for giving me the opportunity to, to win the Derby, the dream trip for any jockey, any training, any horses, and in, in the industry, the whole races.
1: See, I like it. I, I just felt like, you know what? You have that one opportunity and you're gonna acknowledge the Lord. I think that's a good thing. Do we do that in our life? Do we acknowledge him even for the small things, even for the things that don't matter? you know i think when we realize that god is always with us that he is you know, he, eternally with us in the small moments as well as the big moments that he is always a part of our life i think we can do that and i think god is pleased that's it's something that i think just in my spiritual walk and development i've come to appreciate it when people do that when people have this one opportunity in a time of their own victory their own you know opportunity to celebrate a great accomplishment, something that you've always wanted to do. And yet you take that moment, first of all, he says, first of all, I give glory to Jesus Christ. I thought that was awesome. I thought that was really great. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven 528 2557 is the number. This is the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, you know, we were talking about uh, traditions, lots of traditions with that uh, Kentucky Derby. And uh still going on all these years. There's a comedian who jokes about it. He says, uh, are, are we still doing that, Kentucky Derby? <laughs> uh We are. Hey, you know what? There's another tradition I want to remind you about. And it's something that most of our stations do in Los Angeles. We are doing this this week on the 10th. It is the Pastor's Appreciation Breakfast. And I wanted to just say a couple of things about that. We're looking forward to getting together with pastors all over the uh, Southern California area, and I know San Diego has one coming up pretty soon, and uh, you're welcome to come up here for this one and then go to yours later on. You know, as a pastor for 25 years, one of the things that really made a difference with me and my staff is when we took time away together to go do something, to do something as a staff together, to do something that was meant to be refreshing. To do something that was team building, to do something that uh, included food, which all helps a lot. Well, the KKLA Pastors Breakfast is here to encourage your pastor. It's in, it's here to encourage you as a pastor and also your staff. So if you're coming, uh, you don't have to uh, you know not tell your staff where you're going. What you should do is you should bring them. And the KKLA Pastors Breakfast is Wednesday, May 10th. It's at Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch, which is in the San Fernando Valley, just off the uh, 118. You can get there really quick from the 405, the 5, and uh, the 210. Um, and uh, the one seventy so all those freeways they just uh, pop right over there very, very quickly, and you know I wanted to let you know if pastors you 've been thinking of going, you can still go and if you 're saying well i haven 't signed up yet, I think you can still sign up online, but even if you don 't you forget you just haven 't signed up, just show up. We will be able to to take you if you show up, and what i 'd like you to do is bring your staff, bring somebody on your staff or bring your entire team. And just come and have a breakfast together. Dr. Kenneth Ulmer, Bishop Ulmer, will be speaking to us. And its he is somebody who is going to inspire you. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing him uh, as much as anything else. Um, but at the same time, I'm looking forward to meeting all of you. And so I'll be there at that. It's free breakfast, free parking. You just need to get there. It Doors open at 8 in the morning. The program will begin at 9 o'clock. You can get information by going to kkla.com, kkla.com, and click on the Pastor's Breakfast banner. You know, I know it's busy. And as a pastor myself, I know it's busy. And it's Wednesday. And somewhere in Leviticus, it says you need to have Bible study on Wednesday night at your church, right? There's you got stuff going on. So what I would say is take the morning... And you're not really taking it off because I think this is part of your job, go. Go to the pastor's breakfast. Have fellowship with other pastors. Pray for other pastors. Get to know the ministries and what they're doing. And there, there'll be several different um, organizations there that are going to give you some opportunity to have tools and other things that will inspire you to refresh your ministry. We we're talking about traditions a lot this hour. you know. And, and sometimes what happens is we get a tradition of... Um, mediocrity or a tradition of doing the same thing over and over again because we just don't have time to think of something new. Well, this will give you the idea to have something new. This will give the idea to uh, hear from some other pastors and what they're doing at their church, and you can go right ahead and steal that idea. Just tell them, just say, yay, thank you for doing all the work at developing that idea. We're going to take it and implement it at our church, and uh, I'll get the credit for it. That's fine, because really Jesus gets the credit for it, right? That's that's ultimately what happens. Do that. Bring your staff. Let them be encouraged. They're probably going to have some brilliant ideas for their areas. And there are sponsors there and other people who just give you a whole lot of tools. So I'm telling you about it because I know that, that it's maybe one of those things you're thinking, oh, it's Wednesday, and I have a busy week, and it's Monday, and I'm plotting it out. Make time for it. I always enjoyed it when I made time for that, when I was a pastor, whether I was on staff or whether I was the lead pastor. And I especially enjoyed it when I was with my team. And it's going to be a good deal. So it's Wednesday, May 10th, Porter Ranch, uh, Shepherd Church, San Fernando Valley, free breakfast and parking, and doors open at eight o'clock, program at nine o'clock. We'll have you out there before noon. And so it'll be a good time. Get some, Bring some business cards, just bring some time and let us pray for you let us encourage you and let us say thank you for all of all that you do. And if you're not a pastor or you're not on church staff or not church leadership would you would you tell them about it? Make sure they know about it. Send them an email. You can go to kkla.com and click the banner and just send them the link. Or give them a call and say, "Hey, I just want pastor, I know that there's all kinds of things going on. We don't need to get into it, but I know that you've got stuff on your mind and you need encouragement as much as anybody else." And send them to the KKLA Pastors Breakfast. It is Wednesday, May 10th. It it matters a lot. Plus, there's free breakfast. Did I say that already? I think I already said that. But see, that <laughs> that is uh, worth showing up for. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. And um, we will be back here in just a few moments. And I want to let you know that you can get the podcast of this program. You can just go to the KKLA app. It's right there. You can also find the podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts. If you ever miss an hour of the show, it's there. And can I ask you to do something for me? If you like our program, or you ever like uh, a particular segment or something that you want to send, you can go and get the podcast and take the link of it and send it to your, your friends. Put it on your social media. Say, hey, I've been listening to the Pastor Scott Show. I think you would enjoy this program. And that would encourage all of us if you did that, and I think that we come together every day with some encouraging messages and something different in our town, something different here in Southern California, because our hope is in Christ. Our hope is not in Washington. Our hope is not in Sacramento. Our hope is not in City Hall. Our hope is in Christ, and we get to talk about the issues of the day with that hope driving behind all of it. So thank you for sharing The Pastor Scott Show with your friends on your social media. This is The Pastor Scott Show. I'm Pastor Scott. We'll be back for Hour 2 as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military.
1: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He
0: ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.